know if you're on the path that's right for you. As humans, we're very resilient and we're willing to tolerate a lot to protect our comfort zones. This means we'll often stay on a path that's not right for us and justify that decision with all kinds of reasons why it makes sense to do so. But what happens when we start asking ourselves deeper questions? Like, what am I living for? Or what do I want my life to mean? This week, I talk with my friend and fellow coach, Tony Martinetti, who asked himself these very questions before making a powerful shift in his own career. We also explore practical yet powerful steps that you can take to find sparks of inspiration that will set you up to find the best path for you. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Files. My name is Kim Menninger, and as an executive coach and former high-tech leader, my personal mission is to help professionals overcome imposter syndrome so that you can advance your career with confidence. Each week, I interview a new guest who brings a powerful perspective to this conversation, including personal stories, best practices, and new insights. The more we talk about this issue, the more we destigmatize imposter syndrome, recognize that we're not alone, and empower ourselves to access the tools and resources that can help us and those around us. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing with others you think would benefit from this conversation. Welcome, Tony. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while now, so I'm so excited that we're here. I'd love to start by inviting you to introduce yourself. Well, for, I will introduce myself, but I'll first start by saying thank you so much for having me. Kim, it's been great to get to know you more um, closely over the past few months, but I know we've known each other for a bit longer than that. Um, so yes, I'm thrilled to be here. And I'll introduce myself a bit and say that my name is Tony Martinetti, and I am a leadership coach, advisor, author, uh, podcast host myself, uh, and I run a company called Inspired Purpose Partners where I you know, love working with people to really uncover the things that are important to them in the world and how to get them to create that um, through you know, really seeing what, make, what impact they want to make in the world and make sure they don't burn themselves out in the process of trying to do that. Um, so that's what I do, and I love doing it. Uh, I came from a background of working in biotech for many years, but this is what was my life calling, and I'm thrilled to be doing it. Before we start talking about how you think about that in the context of supporting other people, I'd love to hear more about your own personal story. Like, How did you know that this was what you wanted to do? Was there a turning point? Was there a, a like a light bulb moment? How did you get here? I've had many light bulb moments and maybe uh, I will use the term I often use, which is a flashpoint moment, which is like more, uh, you know, um, I say like more explosive than just a light bulb. <laughs> um, so the first big one for me was um, this period where I started to felt feel myself burning out. Um, I was working really hard, um, putting putting in so many hours trying to show up as this person who is a successful finance executive in the world of biotech, and you know I started to lose all the color in my life. I was someone who's known as being very vivacious and very much, um, you know, the colorful person in, in, in the world, but I started to lose the color of who I was and not enjoying life like I used to. 
I don't think everyone saw that. I think I was the one who experienced it more internally. And it got to the point where I was only working. That was all I was doing. I wasn't taking vacations. I wasn't really spending time with family. And that wasn't a life I wanted to live any longer. Um, so I had this moment, a really dark moment where I said, look, what am I living for? Um, and that flipped a script in me and said, well, look, I have to choose a different path. I have to clean the slate and figure out what do I want my life to mean? And I started to rebuild from there. Um, and that was the first real flashpoint that changed the way I navigated life. Um, and it was also because I wanted to be there for my family in the long term. So I hate to go so dark, but I think it's important to point out that first flashpoint changed the way I looked at the world. The second big flashpoint was after I had built some tools around being hopeful, being able to see things in different light, was this moment where I sat in a boardroom of a biotech company and realized that I think I'm done like working in the corporate environment and seeing leaders leading for the wrong reason. I saw these leaders who were, you know, basically trying to self preserve self, um, you know, be the leader who had, you know, had to be right, had to make sure they look good. In reality, that's not what a leader should be doing. They should be serving their people in a way that inspires them, makes them want to show up, want to do the work and drives them forward with an inspiring vision. And that's not what I felt. And everyone else in this room did not feel that way. So I decided to get up and walk out. And I said to myself in that moment that I'm going to leave this room to change this room somehow. I don't know how, but it's going to be uh, my next calling. And that calling came in the shape of coaching, which I didn't really know what very much about. Um, but I became very steeped in that um, through trial and error and probably by fire. <laughs> um, but that really was the biggest flashpoint moment in my life that put me on a trajectory to doing the work I do today, which I'm so grateful for. Wow. And, you know, I love, there's so many different pieces to what you just shared. And I think a big part of it is self-awareness, which many of us are not tapped into because we're so busy and so focused on doing and not reflecting. And so there's oftentimes this general sense of something's not right, or is this all there is kind of going on under the surface, but we kind of push through it and think all kinds of thoughts to try to rationalize where, where we are. Like, how did you, I mean, it sounds like this was brewing for a while, right? But how did you reach a point where you had the, the self-awareness and the courage to recognize, mm. I could do more than this? Yeah, it's like um, it builds up. Like, like love the way you described it. There's two things you said that really, you know, mean a lot to me. It builds up, and then all of a sudden, you have this moment where you're like, "I can't do this any longer." The way it, that it's currently wired, my life is not designed for me to thrive, and so therefore, I had this moment that built up, and now I've had enough. It's time for me to do the right thing, and then courage was the word you used that is really powerful. In fact, the one quote that really stuck with me in that early, the early days of my leap out of the corporate window, if you will, the bad image, um, was this quote from Peter Bregman, who's, um, you know, one of the people who really inspired me a lot is, um, if you're willing to, um, if you're willing to have, if you're willing to feel everything, you can have anything. 
And it comes from his book, uh, Emotional Courage, Leading with Emotional Courage, which when I think about that quote, it's really having that courage to get out of your comfort zone and to experience all the emotions, both good and bad, and in the, the zone of the unknown and realize that um, that's the courage you need to have to be able to live a life that is really meant for you, even though you're living in this world of, you know, comfort that you've been building over time. Um, that's what drove me to that point where I said, look, enough is enough. It's time to take the leap. And I love that concept of emotional courage because it's never easy. It's not something that you can take a shortcut to doing. There's no, there's no way to escape the complexity of feelings that are going to come with that kind of a move, but it's so worth it. Yeah. And I, and I'll just take that one step further, which is say, and it's not a perfect um, journey either. You, you know, when you take that leap, there's also a sense of like, I'm not going to get it right out of the gate or I'm, you know, I'm not going to have all the things figured out. And that's okay because part of this is to figure it out as you go along, you know, and trust in the process of becoming who you really are. And I think that's the beauty of this is that you, you know, when you have emotional courage, it's, it's dealing with the ups and the downs and knowing that they're all part of the journey of becoming who you really are, mm. who you're meant to be. Exactly. And when, when you put it that way, I think about how I think about confidence, because a lot of times we think about confidence as this belief that we're wonderful, right? It's like reaching a point where I think I'm fantastic all the time. But what I think about confidence really is what you're describing, which is trusting that I can handle it, knowing it's not going to be hard. I mean, not going to be easy, not going to be perfect, that they're going to be lots of bumps in the road, but I trust myself. I trust myself to be able to navigate that and get to a better place on the other side. So beautifully said. I mean, it's funny how trust is the is the word you chose because it's exactly what we need to start with is when we are untested, like when we have no ability to understand whether we can do the thing that we think we want to do, and we just sit there and we kind of like hold back, we stay small. And what the start of trust is sometimes having someone else believe in us. I always think about that in the context of leadership. Great leaders believe in other people and they give them a chance to live into their, uh, their abilities. And, um, you know, when you don't have people who are feeling that way about you, you, you tend to stay small. So you have to find people who say, look, I see something in you. You don't even see yet. Um, and I think that's what can be really powerful. Now I feel like that's what I can be for other people is to kind of help them to uncover that ability of like, Hey, I'm seeing something that you're hiding inside of you that is ready to emerge this. And I believe in you. And now it's time for you to believe in yourself. Mm, I love that. Trust in yourself. Yeah. 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 And you're right that it often starts with borrowing someone else's trust and confidence in you. Right? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so maybe this is a good time to, to sort of shift into the work that you do, because you said something early on that stuck with me, which is, I'm going to paraphrase here, but the self-preservation piece that you saw, yeah. were seeing a lot in leaders. And I think about this a lot too, that leaders and just 
people in general, but it's particularly, I would say, problematic when it's leaders because the ripple effect that they have Mm -hmm. on others, when they're not tending to their own needs and addressing some of these challenges that we're talking about, gaining that self-awareness, having that emotional courage, the reflexive response is self-preservation. It becomes all about my ego, becomes all about me, and it's not about anyone else. And we live in a in a time where things are so volatile and as humans, we don't like change and uncertainty. And so it's just triggering a lot of things within us that don't bring out the best in us, that don't mm-hmm. allow us to thrive and don't put us in a position to support others in thriving as well. And so when I think about you know, where to kind of break that cycle. It's just sometimes I feel so overwhelmed. I think, oh gosh, there's so much work to do. Uh, I think we do it by starting with ourselves for sure. But then I wonder, you know, as you think about the person who comes to you and says, I want your help, like how do they present to you? What are, what are they telling you when they come to you and, and say, I'm ready to do something different? Yeah. Well, it's it's funny. The thing that starts with like what they're coming to me with isn't always the issue. There's always an underlying issue. Um, and so the first thing might be like, Hey, I'm just feeling like I can't win in, in the place I'm at, you know, there's constant struggle. There's a, you know, a lot of infighting, lots of politics. And I just, I want to do good work, make an impact. And I want to do it with, in a way that actually helps me to feel fulfilled in the work that I'm doing. I want to, I want to have an impact. And, and I think that's all that I really want in this challenge that they have is that it's like they don't want the office politics and and I get that the problem is that um they need to understand how those politics have become how they did how did that culture evolve and how can they fight against that culture in a good way to shape the environment we have the ability to shape our environment if we're willing to have the courage to step up and do things differently and that starts with our self, our understanding of our own awareness of how we can, you know, push ourselves along the path of what's going on in the environment. And if I'm the leader, if I have someone comes to me and they're this at the C-suite, it's understanding how they are implicit in creating that structure. Um, so the more that people share what's happening in, in their world, the more I can understand like what what are the underlying issues that have created the chaos of, as we'll say it in their environment and how can they can become a partner in shaping it to be a positive environment. Mm. And you mentioned earlier about this idea of like um all the things that are happening in the world. And I say use this word chaos because I think there's a sense of like we have to become more aware of ourselves and more intentional how we lead ourselves so that we can be okay to live and embrace in the chaos because it's not going away. But it's about knowing that how do I stay grounded and intentional in the chaos? Because that's what people need for me as a leader and as a person who's inside an organization is to not be the person who's like on fire all the time or creating this sense of like, you know, panic or creating more chaos. Instead, it's about staying calm in that chaos and creating this sense of level-headed groundedness that we need in leaders. And that's what I do a lot with the people I work with. I give them that sense of calmness in this workplace that sometimes can be chaotic. 
Yeah. And, you know, you said leading ourselves. And I think that is fundamental to everything that we're talking about, because, you know, there's always the the cliche, right? The unfortunate reality that many people get promoted to leadership because they're really good individual contributors and not necessarily because they know how to be leaders, want to be leaders, right? It's just a, it's a path to greater status and compensation. And so you've got a lot of people who feel thrown into the deep end without any (laughs) flotation device or they're just kind of uh, dangling out there. And I think that triggers a lot of the self-preservation that we're talking about. And so when in doubt, the best place to start is with yourself. Because if you can start with yourself, then it does become more natural to support other people. And it feels counterintuitive, especially to those of us who are more people pleasers or who have have bought into a narrative that self, you know, sort of any any investment in ourselves is selfish. Yep. But it's the people who aren't doing the work that are having the biggest negative impact on the people around them. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more with this idea that like, you know, we wish we could go in and and kind of change other people. But the idea is that maybe it's about we change ourselves, we lead ourselves better. And by by default, when we start to change ourselves, we can start to have a ripple effect in how we show up on other people. And And, you know, what ultimately happens is we start to see that if our environment does not change in, and, you know, we've changed, we may decide that at some point, this is not the environment for us. And that's um, another courageous movement that we may have to make is deciding, do I want to still exist in this environment that I, you know, that I cannot change? Or is it time for me to find an environment where I can thrive and be the person who I now want to be? Um, Which is a very difficult conversation to have and a difficult for many reasons, because, you know, it's about changing jobs, things like that. But sometimes that's the only choice we have. You're right. And I think it's important to remember that that is a choice because all too often I get the impression from people that they feel like they're hostages in their current lives and in their current jobs because maybe they make good money. Maybe the economy Mm. isn't great. There's all kinds of reasons why it doesn't make sense to leave. And so they rationalize and settle for something that doesn't allow them to be their best selves. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite coaching questions I I ask is, you know, what are you tolerating that you shouldn't? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that like, it sounds very, you know, it puts you on defensive, but the reality is we need to ask those challenging questions because we tolerate an awful lot um, in some of the environments that we're in that we need to be able to question saying like, gosh, I shouldn't be putting up with that. You know, you know, an employee that potentially, you know, works for you who kind of disrupts the environment, maybe you need to have a challenging conversation with them and say, hey, you know, this is not acceptable. This is not working for us. Um, you know, that's that's pushing back on the environment and potentially shaping it in a different way. And I also want to point out one thing that like I'm not putting this out here that everyone should go leave their jobs and go start as a, you know, solopreneur or be, you know, start your own company. Trust me, there's many challenges with that. And sometimes you can create your own prison by going off and doing your own work. Um, So 
All I'm saying is that make sure you, you're taking control of your situation and know that you have more choices than you think. Yes, very well said. I think that's a great point too, is that it's not about doing what we did, right? But it's about finding your own path forward, yes. empowered path forward, right? Uh, so let's shift gears for a moment because I want to talk about your podcast. And you know, we're all products of our own pasts and upbringings and all of the different combinations of factors that have gotten us to where we are. So tell us more about the podcast, what sure. what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you were to ask me, you know, a few years ago, like, oh, you're going to have a podcast. I'd, I'd be like, what? <laughs> I mean, I didn't even listen to podcasts a few years ago, um, but it it became a thing that I really just put into the world. Originally, it wasn't going to be a podcast. It was going to be a series of webinars that I was going to do. Um, but uh, it started to take life and I started to really, really lean into it and enjoyed this process. The podcast is called The Virtual Campfire. You know, the idea of campfire is this really, you know, we've been having stories around campfires since the beginning of time, uh, at least in, since the beginning of fire. <laughs> um, and uh, I love the intimacy of sharing those stories around campfires. And that's what I wanted to create with um, the podcast the the concept of the of the show is really bringing people on the show who have been through a transformational journey and sharing their moments that have ignited their gifts into the world through what i call these flashpoints and you know sometimes it's really vulnerable for them to share these moments there have been a lot of crazy stories that i've heard that I am just honored to be able to create that space for them to share between you know being on the verge of you know, being homeless to being, you know, on the the top of their game to all of a sudden being back to being homeless again. You know, there's crazy, crazy stories or just stories of people having to navigate the death of a loved one or an illness or any number of things that have changed the way they look at life. And what I found is that um, the more we go back and look at the moments that have defined us, it actually gives us the fuel to really understand the path forward. Um, and I think that is something that we often only look forward because we think that's where I'm going, but we have to stop and honor the past and understand where's the, the insights that I need to take with me and, and use that as a fuel. So that's the, the podcast. I love that because going back to what we've been talking about of the world just being so fast paced and so dynamic there is often a lack of space or we don't prioritize space for connecting the dots, right? So our lives feel like a series of just fragments that are all over the place. And we're not necessarily looking at them through that lens. And, you know, when I think about even just my own personal career, it feels pretty, I would say, you know, for, for a lot of the choices that I made, I felt like I was being very reactive uh, mm. But when I look back in hindsight, you can kind of see you're mm. on this trajectory, right? It's getting you closer to where you're meant to be. And so I love the the idea of slowing down long enough to be able to to do that. And and can you share more about like what you've learned from this process? Oh my gosh! Uh, I mean, I've learned that there are it's not all doom and gloom that we we, we experience. Sometimes it's just having one person who comes into your life that like 
you know, like I said before, believes in you and changes the absolute trajectory of your life. I have a story from one of my guests who sat on an airplane and decided to talk to the person next to her and having that conversation on a plane changed the the trajectory of her entire life. That's crazy. Serendipitous. And because of that conversation, she's now speaks on stages around the world, has written over three, four books now, and um, is just an absolute joy. I just saw her last weekend, uh, which is really remarkable. But I think that is just those things that you start to see. Be on the lookout for the moments in your life that might change the the trajectory of where you're headed. Um even in this day, it doesn't have to be always in the back. That's true too. Yeah. The pandemic, a lot of people, when I interviewed them, the pandemic was the moment that really changed their trajectory because they had a moment to really reflect on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. I think it'll be interesting as history progresses to see how many people yeah. look back on that that point um, as their mm. turning point. And are there things that you would recommend to people listening who have not even thought about the this before, or maybe haven't figured out how to structure it in the context of all of the other demands of their lives? Like, are there simple ways to get started in the type mm. of reflection that you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, there's a um an old exercise that has been done for many years, but it's a good starting point of just looking back and doing a timeline, just to draw a simple line and look at the, uh, the ups and downs and the define defining moments that you see in your life. Um, and you don't have to put a lot of like, you know, prolific writing behind it, but maybe it's like, Hey, I was born. That was hopefully that was a highlight. Um, and then, what were the moments that happened in your early childhood that you can remember? And what are the things that you remember from your youth that you can still recall? Like I recall always that when I was a kid, I was an artist who painted not just like stick figures and, and um, you know, and dogs and cats and family members. I painted like rooms and environments and that had like a feeling to them. And that's something that's interesting because I think about that and now I feel like the work I do is connected back to the artist who I was. Mm, I think that's such a fascinating thing to think about because so often what we do in our childhood feels juvenile or disconnected yeah. Yeah. from who we end up being. But if you kind of look back and think, what clues can I get <laughs> from what I, where I spent my time? as a child, as I was growing up, you know, the, the, the things that I was drawn to because I wanted to do them, not because somebody was telling me I needed to, or I had all, you know, these obligations attached to them. Right. Exactly. And even furthermore, I will say there's an example that I can, um, from my show and also from the book that I wrote, um, Peter Bregman shares like that his earliest flashpoint happened before he was born. And here's an example that me people don't even think about. How does your ancestry impact how you look at the, the world and how has it shaped your view of the world? For example, his family his came from, um, they were in France, but they were you know, Holocaust survivors and they had to live in hiding. And I think that is something that has shaped how he looks at his own life 
and how he appreciates and understands the lens of what their journey was and how gifted and how honored he feels to be part of where he lives now, which is really kind of cool when you think about it. Because how often do you think about your heritage and think, wow, because of them, I am who I am. Yes. That's a really powerful thing to think about too, just to kind of that more holistic view of how we got to where we are. And some of us are going to have dark pasts, right? We're going to have stories that are really painful. And I wonder how you think about dealing with, and I think this is where emotional courage comes in, right? But just sort of how do you sit with the pain and still extract the benefit from it? Yeah. I mean, there's um, obviously it's not easy to go back there and look at some of the dark moments, but there's beauty in that darkness that we need to be able to extract and the learnings that we come from it. I mean, there's this idea, and I'm sure this is not the first time you've heard of it, but post-traumatic growth, you know, we go through dark moments and then they become part of what we can turn into something, um, that grows us, you know, one of the, the, the chapters in my next book, which is called campfire lessons for leaders is around, um, out of darkness comes light. And, and in particular, there's a part where I explore this, you know, a person who was suicidal and, um, she used that experience to become a champion for people to not feel alone in their journey of, of, suicidal ideation and things like that. And so it, it, it takes a lot of like work, but the idea is that once you can start to see this experience I've had and, uh, and survived has allowed me to know what it feels like. And now I can help others through my experience to then go on the journey themselves to getting where they need to go. So they don't have to suffer like I did. Um, and so that growth is now becomes a superpower or a way to use your gifts in a way that helps amplify a message that's powerful. And what a way to bring purpose to, you know, an otherwise awful situation too. Yeah. 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 And not to sound sort of, what's the word, self-serving here, but I do think that there is benefit to doing that work with others who can support you on that journey, right? I think, you know, you and I both do that kind of work or even, you know, mental health counselors and therapists and just, if it feels daunting, if it feels like that's not going to be a place that you can navigate individually, you don't have to do it alone. Yeah. Yeah. I hundred percent agree. I think that's you know, you asked about what the message is that I, that the, the lessons I've learned in the podcast. And that's one of the things that is really the biggest part of this. The biggest successes people have had in their journeys has been that they didn't have to go it alone, that there's people along the path that have helped them to navigate the darkest moments and to create the most amazing things in their life. And we always look at the person who's like, look at me, I'm amazing. But that, um, what got them there is never just them doing it on their own. It's reaching out to people, having people on the journey who have championed them or you know advised them and created a path for them to be able to get where they want to go. Yeah, I think that's such an important point to emphasize because too often we either feel 
like we're burdening people by inviting them into this process or that there is somehow weakness in not doing it entirely on our own. That's one of the things that I, I, I often help people to understand is that asking for help is, is one of the most um, strongest things you can do. I mean, in fact, the most successful leaders ask for help because they know that they're they're up to big things in the world. And if they want to accomplish that big thing, the only way they're going to do that is by asking for the help of other people who are really good at other things. Yeah. And I think it's great to, to position it as a leadership strength too, because yeah. it doesn't, you know, it feels sometimes like, oh, if I were stronger, I'd be able to do this on my own. But no, I mean, there, everybody has different strengths and different opportunities to give. And I, I think one of the things that I always come back to is that by asking for help, we empower other people to give their best selves to the world as well. A hundred percent. I love that. It's just like so great. And that's what we need is we need to create ways of, you know, bringing more of other people's you know, superpowers out in the world and, and and make it more of a collaboration, not just like the solo person who's out there, like, you know, look at me, I'm the best. It's we're all the best. And mm-hmm. I think that's awesome when we can come together and create something bigger together. I love that. And so we talked a little bit about the process for reflecting back and kind of thinking about those moments that have defined us. Is there anything else you would recommend to people who maybe are feeling the way you described earlier of, gosh, I just don't know if this is where I'm meant to be. Is there a first step there that you would recommend people think about taking to just get on the path? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the looking back part is really important. In fact, one of the things that I, that I do with my clients is I have this weekly spark, which is, uh, oh, it's a little less expansive in terms of not looking at your past few years. It's more about looking at your past week and looking at your next week, but it's really understanding what is, what is the thing that I've done last week that was exciting, interesting. What did I learn? And how can I use some of the learnings from the past few weeks or week and use that as I plan my next week and make sure that I put into the the next few weeks something that is exciting, um, inspiring, something that makes me want to be, um, you know, looking forward to the next few weeks. And how does this connect to your question? Well, the idea is that you want to make sure that you're setting yourself up for the little sparks of inspiration, which are going to lead you into the place where you'll start to connect to the path that you want to be on. Because inspiration are, as I say, they're the, the they're the clues that lead you to your true purpose or to the place that you want to be. And if you continue to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results, you're not going to get that. The best thing you can do is plant some seeds for new things to show up new inspiration to show up. And what'll happen is you'll start to see a path to maybe a different way uh, of um, navigating your life, navigating your career. So let, allow yourself to be open to these clues. And that is really what I'm getting at is be open-minded. I love the both the power and the practicality of what you just shared, because there is so much 
incremental value. I think a lot of times we think in all or nothing terms, right? Either I stay where I am and deal with the misery or I start this whole new life. And and it feels like the gap between those two is just so huge. And so I think about when you talk about those sparks of inspiration and really thinking about what energized me over the last week or what am I looking forward to? Even just simple things you can do to create more of those moments for yourself in the now right is is going to change how you feel on a regular basis yeah and then and then you really as you start to reflect more on those things if you think about this weekly spark as something that starts to build on it itself you'll start to reflect and say my gosh every time that i design my week around this particular activity i'm realizing i'm even more excited so maybe that's what i want to do more of in my life right So it's almost like self-designing your life in a path that is, you know, less of this, more of this, please. (laughs) Exactly. It's very iterative and and very methodical, right? Uh, There's intention behind it. I absolutely love that. Mm. Oh my goodness, Tony, I could talk to you all day. I so appreciate your your insights and everything that you've shared with us today. For those who want more of you, where can they find you? (laughs) Well, thank you so much. The best place to find me is at my website. It's called ipurposepartners.com, inspiredpurposepartners.com. Well, sorry, but Inspired Purpose Partners. Um, And uh, if you reach out there, you'll find out about my books, my podcasts, and just ways to get to interact with me. And then you can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. Um, So find me both places. Wonderful. And those links will be in the show notes as well. Thank you again, Tony. I so appreciate you. Same here. I'm so thankful for this conversation. Thanks so much for listening to the Imposter Syndrome Files. If you would like to continue this conversation in a safe and trusted space, I would love for you to join my virtual discussion group every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. For the past several years, the group has been limited to women, but it is now open, regardless of gender, to anyone who is interested in exploring and troubleshooting common workplace challenges, building better awareness of ourselves and others, and becoming more inclusive allies at work. Check out the show notes for more info on how to find us. And please join us next week for another episode of the Imposter Syndrome Files.